Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. So I have a reveal for you guys. Uh, I, mean, I mean, even if you guys know me, like those of you who think you know me well, it's going to be a huge shocker for you. Huge, huge. You're going to be like, whoa, that's crazy. I ain't know that. I'm clumsy. (laughs) I know, I know. I Clearly, I can't even open a bottle of water. Um, I'm clumsy. I'm uncoordinated. Like, you don't understand the things I go through. I'm not claustrophobic because I think I'm going to suffocate. I'm, like, claustrophobic because I'm, like, it's only a matter of time before I break something. Because uh, I'm just like weird, like I'm gangly. If you've ever seen me get out of a car, it's awkward. I'm 24 years old. I still haven't figured out the proper way to exit the back seat of a car. Like my legs, I don't know, I go in and my legs are like folded up for some reason. And then when I get out, I have to open the door with my foot. I don't know, I'm uncoordinated. There's a lot of things I'm not good at. One of these things is, and I always thought it was a me thing, because I'm just like, well, you're uncoordinated, you're awkward. Uh, was this thing called multitasking. Do you have multitaskers? Who multitasks? All right. So I'm not that thing. And I always thought I was alone. I always thought like, oh, I'm just, like, it's just not for me. But I found out, actually, uh, uh, well, well before, before I get that, I'm, I'm going to hold that, what I, my, my little discovery. I, I want you to know, like, how not for me multitasking is. Like, um, where's, where's the Mariner Harbor community group? Are you guys here? Are you guys in the building? Woo, I got you. <laughs> we have a secret symbol for the Mariner's Harbor community group. So only they have witnessed the levels of how, so I'm at community group one day, right? And I'm sharing this story. I'm talking, we're eating. Uh, Grizel, I love you. I love your food. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, there's, there's beverages. And I, I'm telling my story and I go to pour myself a drink, and for some reason, I still can't explain it, only that I'm a terrible multitasker. I'm telling my story, and as I I pour the drink, I start to slow down, and then as the drink fills, I finish, and then I just start going back to saying what I was saying, and I'm looking around, and everybody's looking at me, and they're like, what the heck? was that? What was that all about? And then I did it again, and I found that I could not pour the drink and tell the story at a normal pace at the same time. Something had to give, and my brain was like, Ruben, you're already clumsy. We're just going to choose drink. You got to stop telling the story. Stop it now. It was bad. It's like, you ever seen a YouTube video buffer, and then it plays a little bit, and then it buffers, and then it, that's me when I try to multitask. I'm not good at it. And again, I thought I was alone in this world, but I found out, we're the multitaskers again. Where y'all at? I got a revelation for y'all. Uh-uh. <laughs> Multitasking doesn't exist. Multitasking is actually bad for you. Your, your brain was not wired to multitask. What it actually does is it juggles. And so what it does is it goes from paying to attention to one thing to moving to another thing and then back to that thing. And then it does this thing like really, really quickly. And it's actually not good for your brain. Your brain is better off just focusing on one thing to completion and then moving over. So, ha! That's my message. Peace out. See you next week. No, no, no. (laughs) 
what the thing about multitasking is, pause. Okay, we're back. The thing about multitasking is most of us, even me, I know how bad I am at it, but it's such a habit. And we multitask, like knowing that we shouldn't multitask, and despite knowing today that you're not supposed to multitask, we're going to do it. And when I read this scripture, Romans 12, I'm like, yeah, I think I've been multitasking in my spiritual life. You see, the word says uh, not to be conformed by the standards of this world, but to be transformed by God. And, and, and you know, when I, when I think about my life, because I believe in preaching, not a you message. I believe in preaching messages that are we messages. And so for me, this is so often the struggle that in my own spiritual life, I found that I'm not being transformed by the will of God so much as I'm trying to live with these two world views that are so contradictory at the same time. I'm trying to multitask the will of God and the will of the world. And can I, can I break down how different they are? Reuben, he grew up in a world, I don't know about you guys, if you guys relate, let me know. I grew up in a world that told me that money was power. That told me that if it don't make money, it don't make, it don't make sense. That I'm supposed to chase money. I, I was in high school and I saw so many people in the nursing program. I said, why are you guys doing nursing? Is that what you want to do? I said, not really, but that's just where the money's at. But then the Bible says that it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. That money inherently isn't bad, but our consumed desire for money is bad. I mean, I grew up thinking that I had to have a high, uh, uh, for lack of better terms, body count. Like, I had to sleep with the most women, that women were objects. That's what my world taught me, that it didn't matter about the personality. What mattered about a woman was her physical appearance. <laughs> but you know the Bible? The Bible says that sex isn't meant to be a one-night stand, but sex is this beautiful thing that within the context of marriage isn't meant to be a one-night stand, but it's to make you and your, your spouse one. I thought that happiness was rooted in my objects and what I possessed, and I, I still struggle with materialism now, but the Bible actually teaches me that if I pick the, put the kingdom of God first, then one, all those things will be added to me, but two, they're also irrelevant. That happiness is simply found not on earth, but in heaven. And so the message that I want to talk to you today about is how do we live the life, living this life. How do I live transformed? How do I do this? Because the truth of the matter is, unless you grew up with Jesus at the center of your life since you were a child, you had no choice but to be conformed. I was born conformed to the world. So how do I live this life? Well, the key is to know that you don't have to earn God's transformation. In Romans, it actually says to just let God, trans God's already doing a transforming work. The second you say yes to Jesus, he's already transforming you. But in living the life, we just 
got to stay connected to Jesus. And if we're connected to Jesus, we'll find that God is transforming us. And if God is transforming us, we'll know his will. And if we know his will, then we'll find that we're just living the life. And so these are the, these are the three principles that I believe that we're going to talk about today that I believe are essential to staying connected to God. Uh, uh, in living the life, we prioritize our time. We pray continuously. And lastly, we're going to end with how we practice our faith and how in practicing our faith, we are connected to Jesus. Because it, it, it's so important to stay connected. The, the alternate title to this message was Get Connected. We, we, we sometimes think in order to live the life, we got to we got to earn transformation. But if we just stay in Jesus, we find that the transformation comes. And so how do we stay connected? And the first thing that I want to talk about, I think, is essential to put first, and it's our time. And so if we look into Ephesians, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like ignorant people, but wise people. Make good use of every opportunity you have because these are evil days. Don't be fools, but try to find out what the Lord wants you to do. What I want to hone in on is make good use of every opportunity. We have to, have to prioritize our time. I was taking 18 college credits last semester, which if any of you have been in college, yeah, I know. Thank you for your, well, I wasn't expecting a woo woo, 18 credits, man. That's, but we fall into the habit, and so I fell into this habit, and especially being a New Yorker, like, and you guys could let me know if this is you, you wake up busy. Like, this is what I think a normal human being should wake up like. This is how I think we all wake up. Wake up, you gotta get dressed, we gotta go to school. Shh. You jump in the shower, you brush your teeth. Sometimes you might even skip the shower. Is that just me? No, don't judge me. <clears throat> don't ask me what, what I did this morning. Uh, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm not. Um, but our brain, it needs to just like, I wake up and I forget the day of the week. I wake up, I don't even know what room I am. If you ask me what my name is the second I wake up, it won't be my name. Like, that's our brain. And our brain needs time to just, like, take in the day. And so prioritizing our time is so essential because the first thing we got to do is just make sure, simple, there's not a verse for it, make sure we're getting some sleep. And if you're a morning person, if you're a night person, that, that depends on how you work. Your job may have told you the kind of person that you are, and so you just follow that now. But, but our sleep, our time is so important. It's so important to make sure that we don't wake up busy. And something else that I think is important when we talk about prioritizing our time is this guy. Because it, this thing isn't a scheduling thing. I know it sounds weird, but I think... It has this crazy super, like you ever 
go into your phone for one thing, 20 minutes pass, you doing something completely different. You ain't even do the thing that you went into your phone to do. You're like, oh, there's 15 people I was supposed to text, but I just found out that uh, Cardi B is having a baby. And so that's where I ended up 20 minutes later. It has this like, I promise, I kid you not. I was going over this message. This is the power of the cell phone. As I'm preparing my message, I get six notifications. I don't even like, have like six friends that talk to me that much. <laughs> it was podcast. Like, why do, I, why do I need to know that six podcast episodes came out? Could you imagine if your cable box did that? Like, hey, Blacklist came out, new episode, Loving Hip Hop's out. Did you realize they're coming out with a remake of the real world? Like, and you know what happened? I, I, could, I couldn't care less about the podcast. I'm I'm, I'm doing my message, but it only took a second to knock me off center. And I glanced down, I looked at it, I got frustrated, and then I had to get back into the message. And these things, it's funny because they're supposed to be tools, but the app creators, software developers, they actually designed them to be addictive. Like the reason you pull down to refresh is because you pull down on slot machines, and it's the same idea. You never know what you're gonna get. They want your attention. And so what I've done is I said, you know, I'm gonna prioritize my time. I'm gonna choose. I'm not gonna be passive about what gets my attention because I've given this thing too much privilege of my attention. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, like I don't need Candy Crush telling me that new candy shapes came out. Like I don't, I'm gonna shut off notifications for any video games. Email, I can check that periodically throughout my day. I don't need to be told every time something I'm subscribed, I don't need a ping, ping, ping. No, I, I said I'm gonna make sure that this thing is a tool, not a distraction. Because too often I found my day, and it's a struggle, I still, I, 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 like, too often I find my day getting consumed by this thing. And then the habits that we can incorporate, the habits that I've learned, what I did is I said, you know what, I'm gonna retroactively look at my life and say, hey, what, what do I do that when I find that I'm doing it, I'm connected better? and I'm getting transformed. And I, I found that there are a few habits that connect us uh, to Jesus, that keep us connected, that are valuable. And so the first one is Bible devotionals. Bible devotionals are simple. They are what, learning what others have gotten out of the Bible. So if you're a book reader, if you love physical books, you can get a devotional book. I am a techie, so I love the Bible app. The Bible app has these reading plans that five minutes, 10 minutes a day, I spend learning what others have gotten in, out of the Bible. The next habit that I've learned that keeps me close to God is Bible study, and that's learning from what I get out of the Bible. I, I, I was realizing the other day, I was like, I heard Judges is a crazy book, and I know I haven't read it, so I'm going to read it, and I'm going to tell you guys, it's a crazy book. <laughs> But you can study the Bible passively, like you can just read just to read, just to digest, digest, or you can dissect the Bible, and you can look at scriptures, what did it mean to the ancient readers, and now you are getting intimate with God's word, and so you're getting intimate with God, and you yourself are discovering what you've learned from the Bible. And then there's just regular reading. So any, any book with a truth, a simple truth, is on the table 
fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is, because at the end of the day, all truth is God's truth. And if it has a good takeaway, if it's the truth, it's probably God's. And so I happen to be reading a Christian book on forgiveness. And so what regular reading does is, so what I'm doing now is I'm taking a biblical principle, forgiveness, and I'm seeing it in a broader context. The author is looking at forgiveness after something like Nazi Germany. Like how do you reconcile between German Jews and Germans who are part of the Nazis? Uh, he's, he's looking at uh, the South Africa. South Africa has this amazing story of forgiveness because at the end of the apartheid, at the end of segregation and apartheid, it was what, what do we do? Do we try the people of apartheid who, who, who are the, the propagators of apartheid as criminals and what they founded was something called the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. And in doing that, they... The story of forgiveness in South Africa is so beautiful. And so now by reading about this, I've seen forgiveness in a, in a more, much broader concept. And then lastly is Sunday service. We're all here. <laughs> but I, I want to I go further with Sunday service. Oh, I have a, I, thank you, Lee. <laughs> I have a towel. Um, I want to go further with Sunday service because I want to let you in on a little secret. Is there anybody who's looking to get more from their Sunday? You guys are good? No? Is there anybody who wants more out of their Sunday service, like just wants to go deeper with God on a Sunday? All right, all right, that's a little bit better. I want to give you guys a secret. You ready? Showing up 15 minutes early will not add to your Sunday service, experience will not multiply to your Sunday service experience. Exponentially, your day will increase. Here's a couple reasons why. One, I'm a big believer in transition time. So I, I can't stand when I get to work on time because I go from commuting to work to working. And again, the human mind, like my brain, it's, it's I just went from commuting to work, which is a lot of pressure on, on being like keeping my Christianity and not saying to something to someone who gets on the bus and says something, or if you're driving, I don't know how many times you get cut off on the way to work, and so you just gotta go into work. And so what I found is that when I give myself 15 minutes before anything, so I try to get to work 15 minutes early, so when I get to work, I can just, And on Sundays, you get to decompress, but you also get to see people that, like, during service, you may not get much time to say hi to someone. After service, people have to leave. So those 15 minutes, you get to say hi to someone you don't normally get to see during the week. There's so many of you that we're close, and our relationship is close, but our most hangout time is here on Sundays, and I get to see your faces. But not only that, after those 15 minutes, you get to go into service just ready. And when this amazing worship team starts, we're there from start to finish, and you feel God's presence, and you get pulled in, and as long as you stay in tune to the worship and to the message, I promise you, you'll get, not, you'll get exponential results. And when we, when we incorporate these habits, when we've prioritized our time, what we find is we're much closer 
to God. And as we're closer to God, he can continue to transform us. And as he transforms us, we know his will. And living this life gets easier and easier. And I know what you're thinking. I, I know I've read the points ahead of time. And you're like, shouldn't prayer be a habit? I agree. But I feel like that would be like saying breathing should be a habit. Because you just breathe. And when we look at 1 Thessalonians, I, I, I think it, it talks about the uniqueness of what prayer is. And it says, be joyful always. Pray at all times. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is what God wants from you and your life in union. If I can replace that word because they're synonyms. So it could just stick more in your connection with Christ Jesus. Pray at all times. And, and that's what makes prayer unique. That yeah, we should place emphasis before we start our day and as we end our day. But prayer never stops. Can I tell you that your amen isn't a stop button, it's a pause button? Because prayer is continuous. And I, th I have a theory, little psych major me, I have a theory as to why prayer is supposed to be continuous. You ready? Check this out. It's a super, super theological thesis right here. <clears throat> it's because we forget stuff. Like, I'm going to give you an example. You ready? You ever uh, be on the phone with someone? You talking to them? Ah, kick, 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 ah, oh, yeah. You won't believe what happened. To... Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Yo, can you call my phone real quick? Can you, can you call my phone? I can't find it. I had it this morning. Oh, never mind. That, is that just me? Is that, am I alone? No, as you guys too. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise this further. You can't judge me for this next one if it's not you. So you just have to all say, yeah, that's me. Um, I didn't forget my phone, but the person forgot their phone at my house, and I texted them like, yo, you forgot your phone. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's better. They didn't answer. So I called them, and I'm mad. I'm like, I'm going to leave them a voicemail. Like, yo, I'm texting you. forgot your phone. You're not going to answer. And then as I'm calling them, I hear the phone ringing. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> What's good is that one doesn't involve people. Like, they're not going to know that I try to hit them up and say, yo, you forgot your phone. Well, they're going to see the text. But, but, like, we forget, like, obvious stuff. Like, our brain is so good at such, like, complicated stuff. And then simple stuff, it's just boop. And I think prayer is continuous because it reminds us that God is here, that we can talk to God at all times. I think what's so important about prayer is that you can feel like you're going through hell, but in prayer you know that it may feel like you're going through hell, but the presence of heaven is right before you, that it doesn't matter your circumstance, it doesn't matter your trials, it doesn't matter your issues, it doesn't matter what you're going through, God is in the room, and if God is for us, what can be against us? So here's some fundamental ways that we can pray. Prayer can be a lot of things, but I think these are some fundamental kinds, categories of prayer. And so praise. In praise, we simply give thanks to God for all that he has done in our lives. Say, thank you, Jesus. In worship, we tune our hearts to God's beat. There's something special about worship because worship is so powerful that it could be someone else's worship and it gets you. Like, I don't know if you were here today, but whew, 
This worship, like were you here, here, like this worship had this way, like I didn't start worship, I walked into worship and it pulls me. And there's been so many times where I myself could not worship, but I found that the worship of others were drawing me near to God. And when I begin to cry out to God, I find that my heart is tuned to his will and tuned to him and connected to Jesus. And our other kind of prayer is simply to request. That's where we get to invite God's will to act on our lives. We, that's our time to pray for healing, to pray for financial uh, um, blessings. Uh, and then we, we listen. That's a kind of prayer, just this. We listen to God's will and we rest in his presence. And I want to hone in on that because I think for many of us the question can be, well, if I listen, do I have to hear his voice? Some people do hear the audible voice of God. Not everybody does. I'm not one of those people. And I thank God because, you know, like I still sleep. I still sleep with the lights on, you know, like I got a nightlight. I'm just, I'm going to be frank with you guys. I don't know if I'm ready to hear the voice of this magnificent God. Like I, I need some preparation. Somebody has to, like God, like please just let me know before you let me know, you know. But it's simply just resting in his presence and his will and knowing what he wants from us. And then lastly is fasting. And, and fasting isn't typically uh, described as a prayer, but it's always put together with prayer. And I want to I wanna raise the bar there and say that fasting is a kind of prayer because, one, the Israelites, whenever they, fasting came about because whenever the Israelites were desiring help from God, they fasted. And whenever, at the end of the day, it's a form of communication with God because what we do in fasting is we give up an earthly want for a heavenly outcome. We say, God, I'm going to starve the flesh so that the spirit may grow, so that I may commune with you. And, and I want to encourage you guys, if you've never fasted before, not Joe. Joe, I think Joe fasts more than he eats. <laughs> but some of us, that's not me. I once tried to, to fast with Pastor Rolando. I said, I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to go all in and do a no food fast. He said, you might want to do that like more planned. I didn't. It didn't end well. So it doesn't have to be this huge scale fast. You can start small. Start with social media. Let somebody say something to you. Be like, hey, it's called a feed. So technically it counts as a no food fast, all right? It's social media. I'm fasting from my feed. <laughs> but start there. Start with a social media fast. Start with a, uh, uh, every year, as a matter of fact, as a church, we do a Daniel fast. And so... Uh, those are our fundamental kinds of prayer. And so before we move on, I want to let you guys know. So, so far we've covered we ought to prioritize our time. When we prioritize our time, we find ourselves more connected. When we pray continuously, we find ourselves more connected. And lastly, the last way, when we're trying to get more of God, we find that it involves a little bit of giving of ourselves. And so we practice our faith. Philippians 4.9 says it, it says, put into practice what you learned and received from me. This is Paul talking. Both from my words and from my actions and the God who gives us peace we will be with you. So I, James, the author of James also says, he says that faith without works is dead. That we gotta, we gotta work this thing. We gotta 
put it into practice. And so I want to talk about some ways that we can practice our faith. And faith. And the first one is to simply serve. And so when I serve, what I'm doing is I'm taking all that God has done for me and giving it to others. That's all I'm doing. I, you know what I've decided? I'm going to be frank with you guys. I've decided I'm not going to be a rose. Rose from Titanic. Like there was plenty of room on that thing for Jack. Like Jack ain't have to die. She could have saved Jack too. <laughs> and what I've decided is, is I'm not going to let what's done for me be stay with me. I'm going to do for others. And what's great about the kingdom of God is it's not some plank of wood. It's this open field for all the earth. And so I'm going to get as many people in here as possible. And I'm, to do that, I'm going to serve them. I'm going to take what God has done for me and I'm going to love on them. And that looks in a variety of ways. In my day to day, I always seek to serve someone. But my committed place of service right here at Christ Uncensored, I say, hey, this church has been such a blessing to me. I want to be a part of that journey. I want, I want the story of Kuhau to be a part of it, to be that Kuhau saved Reuben, and Reuben joined that movement and did for others. And, and so there's a group of us. There is a huge um, passion of passionate, passion behind volunteers who come in and serve. I mentioned them today. And what I find is when I'm serving, I find myself just more in tune to the will of God and, and, and in line with, with not keeping this thing to myself is, is, is evangelism. And I love that we've come out of a series of evangelism and one of the nuggets that I think were so profound was this. Evangelism is simple. It's a complicated word, but it's a simple action. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You, you don't have to go to a Christian college and learn all the three-point ways to spread the good news. I know, because I go to a Christian college. I've been there for three years, and can I tell you something? I've learned some amazing things, but not one of those things can touch. When it comes to spreading the good news, not a single thing that I've learned is more impactful than my own personal story when it comes to sharing the gospel to people. And when we evangelize, we find that we are actually walking in the very footsteps of Jesus because he said to go and make disciples. And what he did himself, he himself was the good news. And so we find that we are spreading this thing. And as we walk like him, we begin to talk like him. We begin to feel like him. And as I, as I close, the last habit is making time for others, is, is fellowship. We walk with one another. Can I tell you there's something so sobering about the advice of people who love you? Like, I've been alive 24 years. For 25, 24 years, I never even thought, I never knew, never even thought that I run weird. <laughs> but I was at a barbecue with my family, and it came out that I ran weird. And, and this is how you know they love me, because for 15 minutes after that, I'm like, well, I'm running back and forth in the driveway, and I'm like, what if I hold my arms up here? Is it that I hold them too low? Like, what is it? And what's, what's funny, but what's so true about that is, is I can't see myself. And I've seen myself in videos, but I did not know enough to know that Ruben ran weird. And there are going to be people in your life who, who see you 
outside of how you see you. And as a matter of fact, it's proven that our understanding of ourselves is partly rooted in how we see us, but also in the objective and, of course, loving way that others really see us. We're made up in two ways, how we view the world and how the world views us, and other people help you. They're able to tell you what doesn't belong in your life, but also say like, hey, that thing that you do that you, th you think you bombed on, you think you did terrible on, that's not true. That, that's a lie of the enemy. No, no, no. You are more than a conqueror. When, when you feel like your finances are going to get you down, they're like, no, no, no. You are a good steward of your money. I've seen you. Other people can encourage you when your mind starts to trick you. Other people can lift you up. Other people can connect you to Jesus when you cannot. Uh, other people can pray for us, but more importantly, other people can pray with us. So get you some people. I mean, Jesus being God, got himself surrounded by people. And in his weakest moment, he relied on people. He said, hey, come pray with me. And that's what fellowship is. That's what these three tools, I truly believe Christ uncensored, that these tools, when we implement them in our lives, we find that we are connected to God on a deeper level. And as we go deeper in that level, we find that we are transformed. And, and once again, the purpose of these tools is to connect you to Jesus because it's very, it's very easy to turn a habit to a chore. And so now instead of praying because you want to stay connected, you pray because you're supposed to pray. And we start checking off. I prayed. I read the Bible. I sang three songs of worship. It's so easy for this to become a chore. So it's, I want us to be reminded that Romans 12 simply says, let God do it. Let God transform you, not get God to transform you. Let him transform you. That the reason we live in these habits, that we follow these principles is not so to get God to transform us, is so that we can simply get out of our own way and allow God to speak to us. That, that phrase, do not be conformed by the world, but let God, is a juxtaposition. It's not, hey, focus on not being conformed by the world. Focus on not sinning. Focus on your works. Make sure you pray every single day. That's not what it's saying. It's actually an opposite thing. Like if you let God transform you, you won't be conformed. And society, this, these burdens that we get placed. Oh, this is what a man looks like. So this is how I got to be. And this is, I just got to be like Jesus. This is what a woman's role is. So, so I just got to be like Jesus. And I think it's important because we can be so forgetful. And we can find that we are mediating for ourselves between us and God. But the Bible says that our works are filthy rags compared to God and so it's so beautiful that we have this Jesus guy and this is why it's so important to stay connected to Jesus because in Hebrews it puts it plainly for this reason Christ Christ not you not we Christ is the one who arranges a new covenant so that those who have been called by God may receive the blessings that God has promised this can be done because there has been a death. There has been a death which sets people free from the wrongs they did while the first covenant was in effect. 
in living this life, it is not about earning righteousness. It's about embracing this thing called the cross. And what was done there. Can I give you like a recap? Like, like a Netflix TV show? This is what was done here. If you've never heard the story of Jesus, this is, this is how it works. There was this guy. He was going around healing people. Uh, uh, he, was, he was saying some crazy teachings. And one of the things that he actually claimed to be was God. There's this guy. Radical guy. He's going around doing these crazy things. Religious leaders are freaked out by him. It actually turns out, some people do this study years later, right? Turns out that he fulfills so many prophecies that prove that he was the son of God. And so this guy is actually the son of God. He is God incarnate, coming and, and doing these amazing things. But then he, he dies. And it's, it's so weird. Like, again, if this is a TV show, right, like, it would flash back to Genesis because in Genesis is, is, is when the promise of death comes. And because sin entered into our lives, because we've sinned, death is a byproduct. But it's so weird because this guy was perfect. This guy had no sins and he died. And it doesn't make sense. But here's the crazy part. Here's the after the credits Marvel scene. On the third day, he rose. And it turns out in those three days where he was dead, something happened. And death was defeated. Your sin, what, what, what the, the scoop is that this guy, what's revealed to you is that this guy who was God lived the perfect life and took I'm going to say this strategically. He took the consequence of every wrong that people had did up until then. Bear with me. He said, I'm going to pay that penalty. And then he gave the world his righteousness. And so... Where do we fall in? What's crazy is he died for everybody's sins up until that point. Every wrong that was committed, he died for. But before you ever entered the picture, before you ever sinned, before you ever dropped the ball, before you ever made a mistake, before you said your first word, for everybody else, he died for the mistakes they had already committed. But for everything up until the point of the cross is paid for. And then everything after the cross... He paid for it. Like, I get, I get why you would redeem the mistakes that people have already committed. But the mind-boggling truth of God, the love of God, is that before you stepped foot onto this earth, he died for you. And we get caught up on the mistakes that we make now. What's crazy about living after the cross is Jesus died for you before you were before you were a sinner because before you were born grace existed Woo. so we don't gotta we don't gotta work for our salvation 
We don't got to say, God, God, what am I supposed to do? How do I get into heaven? How do I live perfectly? How do I live the life? We've just got to embrace the cross. And if we stay connected to Jesus, if we stay connected to Jesus, we find ourselves less often asking, what would Jesus do? And just doing what Jesus would do. It's not about doing what's right. It's about remembering the one who is. It's about remembering to not chase after the world, but to chase after Jesus. And it's not a long chase because he's there waiting. Can we get up on our feet, Kuha? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.